didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best squawk you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. You are sleeping in your home, nice and safe in your bed. The cool night breeze is blowing in the hotness of the night, so you leave your window open to cool off the house. In the stillness of the night, there is stirring outside. Footsteps move around your house, but you don't wake up, because you're fast asleep. The doorknob rattles, then stops. The bedroom window slides slowly up, and then... BAM! Welcome to the Black Cat Report. Today we are covering Richard Ramirez. I'm your host, Betsabe, and joining me is Selena. Hello, I'm so excited. <laughs> Joey. I am also very excited. <laughs> and Gil. I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited to present one of the most notorious and malicious serial killers in the U.S. history. A man who goes by many names, the Midnight Stalker, the Walk-In Killer, the Valley Intruder, the Screen Door Intruder. And I know, Richard that one was lame. Mena, the, screen, the, the Screen Door Intruder is like, okay. They're like, the oh, he goes through screen the door screen door. <laughs> and he kills. The Valley Walking like, Screen Door Intruder. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Um yeah, obviously that is what he did. Using a few sources listed in the show notes and the wonderful book The Night Stalker by Philip Carlo, this is a really in-depth book that goes through his time from being a newborn all the way until his death. This is a comprehensive look into his life and how he turned into the Midnight Stalker. It's also available on audiobook if you don't like to read, so lock your doors close your windows, and grab your baseball bats as we delve into the snap, crackle, and pop of serial killer, Richard Ramirez. Do you get it? The snap, crackle, and pop? Ooh, I like did not it. get that. Like it. <laughs> yeah. Because of, of the cereal? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. What did you guys think? Thank you, I Selena. I, Thank I, you. I was thinking... <laughs> I, I was thinking of like people's bones snap crackling and popping. It's a double and entendre. Like, we've been Selena and I have been cleaning our new house that uh, we're renting. We're not fancy enough or cool enough to buy a house yet, but we're renting one. It's dirty as hell, and so snap crackle and pop. I'm like, that, that's me on top of all the step stools today. Like, I'm just, <laughs> that's your knees. <laughs> yeah. So this is perfect to to learn about just before we move into a new place in a neighborhood. I am excited. Um, yes. yes. I, I done knew about this. I'll protect you, Gil. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Oh. My sweet, naive Gil. <laughs> yes. You mean we gotta lock our doors? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, he's always like, he's he's always reminding me to lock the doors. <laughs> Good, good. Someone and, has to and I grew up near the projects. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up in the country. This shit's fucked. Um, <laughs> all right. That's a bag. All right. Ricardo Leiva Munoz Ramirez was born in El Paso, Texas on February 28, 1960. He was the youngest of five kids. His brothers and sisters were named Robert, Ruth, Joseph, and Ruben. His father, Julian Ramirez, was a Mexican immigrant who was a former police officer in Ciudad Juarez. When he immigrated to El Paso, he became a labor, a labor, what's at Atchison? Atchison, yeah. Okay. What does that mean? What does that, Atchis- yeah, what does that mean? Atchison is the name of the town. Atchison. Oh, oh, a laborer okay. in Atchison? For the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. Yeah. Ah. The name of the towns of the... Yeah. He was a railroad railroad worker in yep. somewhere, Texas. Is that right? <laughs> yep. Whoa. Texas and Kansas. 
His mother, Mercedes, was also a Mexican immigrant moving with her husband, Julian, to El Paso, where she got a job at a, <laughs> at a boot factory. As we all know, in the 50s and 60s, things weren't as up to code as they are now. She was exposed to very harmful chemicals that affected the birth of their children. All of their children developed birth defects from bone abnormalities to respiratory problems. The climate they grew up in was completely transformative as the world was changing so much after the booming 1950s. A gallon of gas was 31 cents. Nice. A pack of cigarettes was only 40 cents. Amazing. <laughs> Not that I smoke, but for people that do, they, they're saving money. And your house did, didn't even have a zip code yet. I had no idea. I thought yeah, zip codes zip were codes, from the beginning. Nope, they weren't invented yet because there wasn't as many people needing to do it yet. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Damn. There were Mail civil rights rallies, people. political assassinations. The wars were turning much, much colder. And in all of the things, there was even the summer of love. All of this is what kids at that time were experiencing, seeing and imprinting in their minds. Would it always be like this? Would all of this change? So a lot of those things were happening at this time period. So he was seeing all of this on TV and imprinting in his mind what things that were going on, especially a lot of the racial things that were happening because it wasn't just happening to uh, black people in that time was also happening to Mexicans and Latino people as well. So all along, and like later on, we'll find out that his sister was part of a group that was like uh, protesting for Latino people in Texas to kind of get very same rights as well. So the whole family did not get screwed up as he did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that was her. He her was... bones were weak, but her brain was strong. Sixty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nice. so like 68, one of the most revolutionary years, um, in like the Western world and like, honestly, in a, just all over the world, there were revolutions happening everywhere. There was mm -hmm. the 68, like situationist international in Paris, fascinating fucking history. If you ever get a chance to look at it, the prime minister of Paris literally fled the fucking country on a helicopter thinking that he lost France to a rebellion yep. that was taking place. Like, 1968 was fucking insane. You had shit going on with the Black Panthers. You had the Brown Braves, like, going yep. on in New York. You had the White Panthers popping up, or, like, popping up, like, out in L.A., which was a response to Huey P. Newton and everybody. They were, like, it was white folks who were, like, yo, we ain't down with this racism shit. Like, mm -hmm. we want to fucking support the cause. And he's, like, well, start a fucking chapter. White, yep. so like you know, the White Panthers popping up, Black Panthers, obviously. Um, and then the next goddamn year, when he was nine years old, right? We fucking landed on the moon, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's fucking nuts. So, this is fucking wild, but yeah, I'm just shit was popping off left and right, <laughs> yeah. And the Vietnam War will play a huge part of this story, too. So, as we're Saying all this, you can tell that Richard grew up in this very transformative time with five siblings. His dad was very abusive physically and mentally towards him, his brothers and sisters, and also to his wife, Mercedes. He will beat them up, and especially when they got into trouble, like stealing cars or getting into drugs, you know, the normal. Normal kid <laughs> shit. Normal kid stuff. So at this time, this wasn't abnormal in the 1960s to be disciplined by your parents in a very physically way for breaking laws or disobeying. But mm -hmm. Julian, the dad, was prone to fits of anger, so the discipline would go far beyond that. Richard, at a very young age, would watch his brothers and sisters be beaten for even the smallest things like probably stealing gum. I don't know. Hmm. But eventually, the physical abuse would then turn to Richard, since I guess he's the youngest of all of them. Yeah, so sad. Um, uh, I just want to yes. like put it in perspective. My mom and her like seven siblings or six siblings. I don't know if they're seven altogether, but yeah, same. My mom. Their their mom <laughs> <laughs> used to like discipline them very severely 
and now she's like the sweetest grandmother to me but they grew up that with a different woman mm-hmm. yeah they yeah. grew up with a whole different lady yeah. Same with my mom. Like my grandma, <laughs> she was so sweet to me. And then now my mom is doing the same thing because my mom, like, she was she wasn't bad. I mean, you guys know my mom, but like she was pretty harsh on my sister Janet. And like now with JoJo, like, oh my god, JoJo can get away with anything. And my mom is just like like a totally different person that she was with Janet. And I'm just mm. like mm. I've seen the way she treats Bon Bon. And I know. Like, can do no wrong. But I will say, like, my dad grew up, um, my dad was born in 1933. Thus, my name's Gilbert. Um, and so, like, a lot of those old school chastising, you know, your kid kind of ways, like, passed over. And, um, yeah, I'm glad we've moved on from that. i'm glad i'm glad you it's something that people need to be ashamed of if they're doing that to their kids now because Mm -hmm. if you're really fucking horrible to your kids over anything guess how they're going to look at like crime and punishment like in the legal system they're going to be like it's not even that fucking bad yeah like why why does that fucking matter like you fuck up their perspective on like how they view punishments and like reactions to crimes and shit so it's just like yeah steal a car whatever what are they gonna do put me in jail and feed me it's better than my parents you know yeah oh for sure yeah it kind of fucks up their perspective but and yeah a little a a little background on on julian the dad uh from listening to the audiobook because i i'm the one that doesn't read uh i hey i like audiobooks they're, they're great. And especially for yeah. this book, it was a really good, really, really well read. But uh, the dad, uh, he was beaten by his father. Uh. And he said when he had kids with his first kids, he said, I'm never going to treat my kids like that. And then well. slowly, because he just he had fits of anger and he started, you know, started he, beating he him. Used- and then he was physically abusive. Yeah, kind of just he did. Like- he used a belt instead of a switch. You know, like that is so progressive for him. Got a little smaller. Piece of yeah, yeah, tiny smaller. He yeah. Stopped cutting. He got really, he went green, stopped cutting down tree branches to like slap the shit out of his kids. And he used his belt, you know, his renewable resources. Which so, was also like, a leather belt made from a cow. So it was. Yeah. It was before vegan leather. We can yeah, 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 yeah. hit them with the buckle. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got some spots on my booty from that. But. Yes. Yeah, All right. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so as a kid, you know, Richard was a tireless child. He would play outside by himself when his brothers and sisters were at school. He would play the usual cowboys and Indians in the yard. And a neighbor would say that he was doing very strange things in the yard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he would play he would play cowboys and indians but since by he was himself. like he was by himself yeah because yeah, his oh my his, god uh, no his his brothers his brothers were at school so he so didn't strange. have anyone around so he would play cowboys and indians and he would play both parts so yeah, he was so... an actor yeah <laughs> yeah it was half of his face was painted cowboy it looked the weird and he would just walk five feet and turn the other way <laughs> yeah. like, it's like how are you doing like, today welcome to my <laughs> lands this ain't gonna be your lands much longer Ding! like pew pew, yeah, pew, like, pew. runs over to the other side pew, pew, it's like pew, blah, pew. blah 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 and then like run over to the other side turn around blah 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 you know <laughs> that's what he was doing so they were like hey is your kid okay <laughs> is he like know we're watching him or does he just do this on his own <laughs> that kid's gonna be the greatest actor of all time <laughs> i know i mean like just like i was uh he was very prone to accidents especially of the make of a serial killer kind just a lot of head <laughs> not that i was my accidents were totally different non i have a head injury <laughs> Uh, I did too. I broke my nose and a bunch of stuff. But uh, when he was two years old, he was dancing around in his room and he tried to reach for this radio on top of a dresser. And the 
pole dresser fell <laughs> at two years old. Like he got smushed. I'm sorry, but like, what kind of sketchy ass dressers? It's like, uh, oh, I'm yeah. just gonna change this. Ah! <laughs> like, you know, like, what? How was this positioned that a dresser so falls on somebody? Yeah. Like, okay. What the old, fuck is but like, okay. he was two Wait. years old. How is this I, possible? He's a tiny little thing. So old timey dressers are pretty like long and kind of short. And if he was trying to reach for a radio, like on a dresser, not like on a, you know, whatever the fuck that is, but like he could have been climbing on top and because it's heavy with the clothes uh, in the drawers mm, in the front, yeah, it yeah, topples yeah. over. Because I have tried to move a drawer on my, or like a, a thing on my own. Yes, and yeah, if there's clothes in it, it makes it fall forward. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. I, mean, I was just picturing him like standing on his tippy toes, like, and I'm going to put it on 93.5 Kiss FM. Oh, God! <laughs> just I socks mean, I'm and underwear. I'm that they didn't kill him because, again, he's two years old, but mm-hmm. yeah, that didn't kill him. It just caused a laceration on his head that required 30 stitches on a two-year-old kid. Dang. Wow. That's like half I his know. body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. like it smashed him like a lemon and his skin split. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> Proof time travelers are real because somebody went back and pushed that <laughs> fucking dresser. <laughs> Damn it. Yes. So at the age of five, he was knocked unconscious by his sister Ruth as she was on a swing like poor kid mm-hmm. after this incident he started like experiencing a bunch of seizures his oh. first epileptic seizure happened in fifth grade so he was taken home by his mother after that and he was put into bed and the next day he returned to school and then had another seizure but mm. this time he was taken to the hospital and um he was told that he would grow out of the seizures <laughs> things mm-hmm. um cool yeah so sad he was diagnosed with grand mal seizures mm-hmm. and he would like every day he just like started staring at the wall for like 10 to 15 minutes straight having petite mal seizures which was <laughs> diagnosed later which blows my mind because again he's like five years old <laughs> it's a yeah. grand wall seizure Grand Mall. <laughs> like, and I do picture a time traveler dressed as his sister within the swing incident. This just yeah. like turns and looks at the camera, wig on, like clearly not his sister. <laughs> it's like, oh I'm going to get him. He was really Sorry. close to his sister too, like Ruth, his one sister, and he was like super protective of her. So every time he yeah. saw her, he really loved her. And like, uh, so every time like his two brothers, the two oldest brothers, uh, I think Ruben and Robert would like, like like hit her or like be really mean to her he'd stand in the middle and be like no you can't mess with my sister you know and he was like very protective so every time he saw her he was super happy so like he came to the playground and saw her swinging and like ran up to her and before she could stop swinging she like smacked him in the head and knocked him out and and like it's so sad but yeah In all fairness to her, she was on like a very planned trajectory swinging and yeah, he ran sure. directly in front of her. So yeah. like, well, he was five. Yeah. You know, like he's five. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't understand physics. Yeah. Again, the dresser situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, still... I don't judge him because I used to do shit like that all the time as a kid. Like I was just like, I broke all my fingers. Well, this is going to start getting even like sadder right. and darker. Yeah. So you guys right. ready? Yeah. Yeah. During his school age, his brothers were sexually abused by a teacher named Frank McMahon. And more than likely sexually abused Richard as well. Although Richard himself said he could not remember and most likely blocked it out. And um, that's very true. A lot of people uh, block things like that because obviously they don't want to remember that. He also witnessed another pedophile that lived down the road. Uh, he also witnessed another pedophile that lived down the road, rape and sodomize a boy. As he moved on through school, he became the quarterback of his school's football team. 
He was, by all accounts, a great athlete who could run very fast and also think quickly on his feet, which surprises me considering everything that happened to him when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, like what? It was, it was all actually just like him building up a resistance to severe head injuries. So he did great in football. <laughs> like it was just no matter yep. how many, like they were like, he didn't oh, even wear a helmet. That's Frank the Tank. <laughs> That's Timothy the Dresser. And you're just like, all right, motherfucker. I got you. <laughs> yeah. It was all training for this fucking moment. The entire mm-hmm. opposing football team were time travelers trying to stop him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sadly, at the end of a football game, he suffered a grand mall seizure and was kicked off the football team. So, hmm. Damn. That's some bullshit. He, like, so you, so have, a, that's you like, have a seizure, so they kick you off the team, like you wussy little fucker. Like what? What? <laughs> no, the coach actually described it as he didn't. He didn't want him to have a seizure and die on the field because he felt like he would be responsible for that, and that's... he felt like that would be his fault. So he felt like, hey, this is like I am protecting these kids. It wasn't Frank McMahon, so he wasn't a dick. He's like, I'm protecting yeah. these kids. I don't want this yeah. guy to die, you know, on, on the field. And, yeah, I know he loves playing football, but he did explain to him. That seems yeah, yeah, too yeah. insightful for any high school football coach I've ever met. Like, they're just like, run, you maggots, burn, throw up. And they're just like, why did you gain 1.5 pounds? Throw up now in front of me. And just like, and give me push-ups. Like, when have, when... Has there ever been like this is this is the problem. This is why all high school football coaches who generally are also math teachers. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that. Um, but like this is why all of them need to continue the abuse. They need to keep it up because how else are we going to get our (laughs) athletes? How else are we going to get our star athletes that are dealing with like a degenerative brain disorder by the time they're 32 if they don't start the abusive process like early? We need entertainment. We do. We need entertainment. Richard Ramirez is because somebody cared. Like he should have died on the field playing the time travelers. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Sad. Um, But yeah, I mean, what this whole getting kicked out of the football team uh, would turn into a big sticking point for Richard as he would grow up. Often saying it wasn't his fault that he had blackouts. I mean, obviously, which is totally understandable because he was never offered nor prescribed any time of medication to help with his seizures. Like that. I mean, the family can totally sue them for that because that's insane Mm -hmm. so at the age of 10 richard would sneak out of the house and sleep in the cemetery to escape his father's wrath and also the chaos that was happening in the house with his brothers drug use and criminal activities poor thing at age 12 richard will become very close to his cousin miguel or mike as he was called and that's not a good thing because he was not a good person. Mm-mm. Miguel was a veteran from the Vietnam War. He had 29 confirmed kills and fit in war like a glove. He enjoyed that he could kill and vent his anger and not be punished for it. Richard revered Miguel as a war hero. Insane. They would cruise around town and smoke pot. Miguel would tell Richard war stories about killing and how it made him feel. He said having the power of life and death was a high and incredible rush. It was a godlike to control over who lived and died. I felt like a god. Really? Like, I mean, no wonder. Like, like yeah, and this is the sentence like not where only... it all started. <laughs> Yeah, not only that, but, like, he would show him pictures of women that he murdered in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just sick. Like, beheaded women that were naked and, like, tied up women that were, like, covered in blood. Like, he just had these photos and he it was, like, porn. He'd be like, check it out, dude, look at this. And he'd be like, whoa, you know, and it's insane. 
Yeah. Yeah. He was no, like that's... so desensitized to it at that time because there was so much violence and everything happening around him. It's almost like he glorified it. He was like, I've never had power before in my life. And that sounds amazing. It's almost like if you take folks from communities that you've intentionally set up to produce children with troubled like childhoods and then put them into a situation where validation is based off around like intense violence and mutilation. Um, it affects the way they see the rest of the world when they get exposed to that at like 16, 17 years old, you know, I'm just really incredibly grateful that that's still not happening today and that we've overcome this. It's almost like, yeah, almost like, (laughs) um, so yeah, like Selena was saying, yeah, Miguel kept photos of his rape and torture of Vietnamese people and we share them and gloat over these photos uh, to Richard um, and you know he's a teenager seeing this listening to everything that Miguel is basically putting in his brain um, so one photo particularly affected Richard a black and white photo of a Vietnamese woman with a gun to her head being raped Jesus fucking Christ another photo was the decapitated head of the same woman and Richard would admit that he would get sexually aroused looking at these photos. He would often masturbate thinking about these photos, knowing the feeling of doing this was wrong. Yeah, he was... Miguel really, I think, in a lot of ways, started Richard down this path of just, like, making it seem like it's okay. Yeah, like, he was... He already had a few problems, especially because of grand mal seizures. But I think just kind of showing Miguel showing him that it was it was okay to gloat over these things to like show that he was to a war hero them. to glorify him. Yeah, and definitely especially at his age, like yeah. One of the things I heard too is that he actually his brother or his cousin, because it was his cousin Miguel, had eight severed, shrunken heads that he brought home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is nuts that he brought home, kept in his closet where he kept the pictures as well. W- that he said he would sleep real on. Real shrunken heads. Yeah, real shrunken heads that he would sleep on in Vietnam is what he said to his brother, to wow. his cousin. He found a peer, right, who was older. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that, like, hanging out with him, building a, you know, a close relationship with him, like that, like, was acceptable within his family acceptable within his community it's like yeah he's hanging out with his cousin like it's totally fine you know this and that the other Um, and he's an older peer and so like he found his peer group he found a group where like these types of maybe like fucked up thoughts could be stirred in a way that's like acceptable and he could talk about it and it could be in the open and like material starts showing up around it and like it i don't know it's like fertilizing Uh, the plot to like grow into the eventual Richard Ramirez that we know. Yeah. Yeah, Miguel basically took him under his wing to teach him about life and the ways of war as all of the Richard's other brothers and sisters were out of the house. He was the only one around most of their talks surrounded how to kill and how to basically get away with it. At 12 years old, he witnessed Miguel shoot and kill his wife in front of him. Miguel told Richard to go home and do not say anything about witnessing a murder or even being there. Afterwards, he would go back to the apartment where Miguel killed his wife with his father to gather some jewelry. Richard said that this was a surreal and mystical experience for him. He opened Miguel's wife's pocketbook and took out the jewelry. Richard would later say touching her things made him feel in contact with her. After this, Richard started to fade out of school and into criminal activities. Obviously, like, this is just, like, so sad. And it just makes me angry that basically Miguel never got the punishment because... Well, he went like, to jail for four years, but that's not a lot for murdering yeah. somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like punishing him for all this, like if you think about it, 
uh, Richard was in the hands of this guy who's supposed to be like family, a cousin, like a person to look up to or just to trust. And he did all these terrible things and he basically never got like punishment from it, you know? I would say if that was a standard, everybody's Thanksgiving dinner would be a lot smaller. Yeah. <laughs> if like if oh, yeah. everybody in everybody's family, if Only the people who influenced folks negatively were just like in prison, oh, yeah. um, A, taxes would be higher. Nobody wants that. B, <laughs> um, like everybody's Thanksgiving dinner would be like six people. Like, yeah, I'd be buying. Yeah. But yeah, fuck the dude. Worse, like it is like Richard basically doesn't see the light of the tunnel because during the summer of 1972, Richard was sent by his parents to LA to his to visit his brother Ruben. Ruben had gotten into heroin and was breaking into houses to steal. Ruben joined a few other burglars to help break into and fence the stolen items. LA was a mixture of super rich and super poor people at the time and was viewed as the place for criminals to thrive. I mean, it yes, still is. Back, yeah, yeah still and is like back sure. in the day, uh, there were a lot of like uh, serial killers and criminals in in LA. I mean, like it was the, the time that. for them. <laughs> it, we're not. <laughs> With huge houses, the cinema boom, and drugs were available on every corner, this was the place Richard felt he would be at home. No, Richard, no. <laughs> Ruben taught Richard how to break into houses and pick logs and also what to look out for when robbing a house. After that summer, he came back to El Paso with more knowledge on his ever-growing career. Yeah. See that banana peel like, right there? You see, you see that banana peel right there? Gonna step around it. All right. Oh, God. oh shit. Pudding pop. All right. Gonna want to take like, that. All, all right. these people <laughs> basically help Richard become who he is. Yeah. And yeah. He, gra- he, he, he gravitated towards them, too. Like, he gravitated yeah. towards people well, that were not. Anyone. Well, he had he did have people that were nice, like Ruth. Honestly, Ruth was a, a very good student and Ruth was very good in the community. So he just yeah, didn't but she gravitate was doing towards her, her own thing too. Like I mean, I'm not trying to justify, but it's like it it's like uh you know, like it's it's there and obviously he's a male, so he's trying to look for other males are within his family. He is. Yeah. And you know, like I mean, it sucks, you know, it's, it's like again, not trying to justify him, but this really sucks for him. Yeah, like, so his dad, which is kind of funny, like, he gravitated to the people that his dad hated because, obviously, mm-hmm. his dad beat him uh, mm-hmm. and was very angry at him most of the time when he'd do, in quotations, bad things, you know, like, acting out like a normal kid, and especially in the situation that he grew up in. He, his dad hated Ruben. His dad hated Miguel. Obviously, you can look at it as, like, Obviously, he hated these people because they are terrible influences. But because his dad would tell him not to hang out with these people, he did. Yeah. And his father and mother both have said said in like when they're interviewed and talked about it that he was the most obstinate child there ever was. Out of all of the children they had, you could not make him do anything. There was no way you could make him stop hanging out with somebody because he'd find a way to do it. So. I mean, that's like every other teenager, though. Yeah, yeah. But and even the whole with punishment. Time, <laughs> the whole yeah. time he was watching his brother, who was like a star athlete on the football team because he had a fifth arm coming out of his head. <laughs> and he was like <laughs> one of the best receivers in, <laughs> in the NFL at the time. Like, like you couldn't hold him down. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, once he went back to El Paso, Richard became a terrible student, obviously, and eventually wouldn't go to school at all. Julian, Richard's father, oh, sorry, Julian, Richard's father, had taught him how to hunt. Let's add more to his place. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard will go out. Richard will go out by himself because his father was mostly away working, and his hero Miguel was in jail for killing his wife. 
Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> Richard would enjoy killing and gutting the animals, just like literally every other serial killer. And then Slip feeding... <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then feeding the entrails to his dog. That's disgusting. He especially liked the way the guts would feel in his hand right after he killed the animal. So as Richard grew older in his teens, he would start burglarizing homes in El Paso. When he was 16, he got the nickname Dedos or Fingers because he could steal anything that wasn't nailed down. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, this kid. Um, so he's only 16 at this point? Yep. I know that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> yep. he's, mm-hmm. his brain and his body is absorbing all these things coming at him, and again, not trying to justify him, but but you know, remember being at that age, you know, like from eight to sixteen, you're trying to find your way, and obviously you gravitate to people that are there and that are giving you the time to you know like hang out and you're still trying to figure out like is this bad is this good Mm -hmm. um i definitely hung out with bad people but um like this kid especially back in the in el paso you know like it's it wasn't like a a place with all kinds of uh people that you could choose you know and pick yeah um it wasn't a thriving town yeah it's like what else is he gonna do you know and he's just trying to hang out with family and it happens that he has that very shitty family i think yeah and like he i definitely still put blame on him because it's like anybody at any point could proceed to go down a path of continuously making bad decisions and like you know i guess uh embracing their dark side being like all the impulses that you have where you're just like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So like accountability needs to fall somewhere with him. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, but like, but there is, you know, the stars align at a certain point and it's just like, wow, there's a lot of opportunities for him to go real deep on his bad tendencies. <laughs> real. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like it's not just kind of like, eh, but it's just like, mm, I'm going to get a PhD and like, Mm-hmm. early snuff porn like you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no and he totally does because uh el paso was just basically his training ground to get prepared for his move to la um he loved the feeling of stealing from homes but the even greater feeling was doing it and not being caught and you know we all kind of have that feeling you know that if we don't get caught, we get excited. And we're like, yay, let's do it again. Um, not me, mom. Okay, not me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Richard started thinking about how he could move to LA. He hatched a plan knowing that he could get weed for cheap in El Paso. Yay. And, you know, then he would sell it for more in LA. So he brought a, he brought a lot of weed with him from... El Paso, and then moved to LA to sell it. Uh, great business <laughs> idea. It's the American dream right there. <laughs> I know. He quickly noticed the broken down shambles, the sex workers, and the drug users in downtown LA. He felt right at home here. His first year in LA, he got addicted to cocaine. In his eyes, cocaine unlocked the door to the side of his mind where the devil could reside. So mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. To support his cocaine habits, he broke into many houses and fenced the items. Within a year and a half of living in LA, he started stealing cars to live in. He would live in them for a few days and then drop them off somewhere else and do it to another car and so on. That is some... This- I, I will just say that is some ballsy shit. Where you're like, you're not just stealing a car, but you're stealing a car to live in. You know, like you're going to be like (laughs) six blocks away Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be like, yeah, this is just my Airbnb for the week. You know, (laughs) like, you know, what was the the original Airbnb? (laughs) Maps and neighborhoods in L.A. 
This will help him in the future to escape police and capture. Holy nice. shit. Yeah, he did his yeah, homework. Not nice. That's his, no, <laughs> I mean, no, no. That is, that is his cousin's influence coming in. Yep. Like, I'm yeah, sure yeah. the military strategy shit where he's like, yeah, we went yeah. into the village at night and da 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 and this and that. And yet, like, who the fuck gets high on cocaine and looks at maps besides Christopher Columbus? But like, who <laughs> the fuck gets he high on cocaine? He didn't look at maps. He I just, just sailed. Just... <laughs> That's just it. Like this dude had the mindset of a fucking coke addict. Like he was already like a high level professional coke addict, like living the life. But like before the coke addiction, he was already like fucking skilled at going in and doing shit. Totally, basically, like on the edge of like being okay with killing people. You know what I'm saying? Okay with like basically being about that life and being close to that fucking life. He was a professional burglar, all the shit like that. Then he got the like, I almost feel like cocaine was his excuse to just yeah. continue on with the shit he was already fantasizing about and like growing into. Like, yeah, that know. was like his escape to just be himself. Quotations. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, people can't see me doing this. <laughs> so, quotes. Um, yeah, I mean, Richard also started using PCP. Hell yeah. One night, a woman approached him to see if she could score some angel dust. <laughs> they went back to her apartment and smoked. He came onto her after they had finished smoking, and she politely declined. Instead mm-hmm. of him leaving and going downstairs, he went to the roof and climbed down the fire escape into her room. He tied her up and raped her. This was the first time he had overcome a woman and he loved the feeling of it. This is this is like his first victim, basically. This was mm-hmm. the beginning, yeah. And this was really crazy because she she didn't just decline. She said I'm not into men. She said, I like women. And so in a way I was like, she's polite, like, Hey, and like, that's her choice, her, her, what she, what she wants. But he's just like, you know, what would be better if I did this? So he started going through thinking about what his brother Miguel had showed him. And I think this is it clicking for him is like, Oh, well maybe I would feel better if I did take advantage of her. And it's like, this is the first time he starts getting into it because he had had actual sexual relations with people before. So this wasn't like his first time or anything like having sex. He had a girlfriend a long time ago um, and they would actually sleep together when he was, I think 16. Um, They would sleep together in the cemetery. So, which was a very interesting part of it. They would have sex in the cemetery also at, you know, random houses. And she was, I think four years, about four years younger than him. Wow. Um, so she was 12. Yeah, it wasn't very good. She was like not 12. Wow. Not hot. And so, not yeah, hot. it was not. Yeah, it was very bad. Um, <clears throat> but that was the the relationship he had before that. And supposedly he had also, after that time, he had been hiring sex workers as well on and off while he was in L.A., um so he kind of had had a lot of experience through it but this was the first time i think he started living his own fantasies it clicked that he didn't just have to masturbate to the photos anymore like he was like oh this is the perfect opportunity for me to live out what i've been like fucking yeah after this experience richard found the book the satanic bible written by anton lavey Richard stole a car and visited LaVey in San Francisco. He wanted to be among others that follow Satan. Jesus, it just this kid, right. like no. come on. LaVey's uh, like, whoa, get away from me, bro. <laughs> Maybe. Oh my god, yeah. Richard attended a ceremony with Anton LaVey and said that he felt the touch of Satan. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Which Anton, is not literally. good. <laughs> Anton LaVey also oh. said that he was a very shy, nice guy. Mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> On his resume, going into jail. <laughs> so, Mr. A. LaVey, uh, stellar review. He said, you, like, 
Well, you don't speak up a lot when you do. Very informed, very educated, and very observant. So we should be aware when you're coming into our penitentiary that you might not say anything for like the first five, six days. But when you do on that, you know, sixth, seventh day, everybody's going to take notice. So we're taking that in and um, we normally don't do this, but you're welcome to join the quilt committee. Hmm. Everybody! <laughs> guys. Like, sorry. <laughs> like, like, damn. Yeah, I mean, once uh, he returned to LA, Richard started reading Anton's second book and became a much Satanic different... Bible. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, after that, obviously, Richard became a much, much different person. Um, Mm -hmm. He was serious and mean-eyed. Gone were the days of a shy-looking, beautiful-haired boy that was... I mean, he was... was His hair did not stop being beautiful. He still had (laughs) that... uh, (laughs) He still had that uh, head and shoulders hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mane and Um, tail. Mane and tail. His whole life, he stuck with that mane and tail. You know, and that's what I tell everybody. Please sponsor us. Slowly, days became months, and months became a year of robbing houses and using drugs. He stopped brushing his teeth. Oh my God, gross. Ate only sweets, make it worse. <laughs> Don't brush your teeth and eat sugar. And of course, he drank only uh, soda. So he didn't shower and smelled terrible and didn't brush his teeth. Like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. why? Yeah, his teeth were rotten, and mm-hmm. he had halitosis. Mm-hmm. What's halitosis? Like, how are you not in pain? It's like medically bad breath. Whoa! So like he's like he basically reverted to being a fourteen-year-old, like a fourteen-year-old stereotypical boy. Of like, I'm just drinking Monster. I'm fucking pounding the surge, bro. Playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yes, I'm that old. And fucking eating candy tonight. And like, but it was like a medical disorder. And like, seriously, you should reconsider your life if you're that age. What was he like, 12 at this point? How old was he now? He's yeah, like he's 17? Six, eight, he's yeah, like he's 16 six, or 17 16? at this point. 16? Jesus yeah. Christ. Nobody noticed this like, incredibly young like kid man like doing all this shit i don't know like it was i mean i'm sure sure they did because during this time he basically stopped visiting his family and became strange during the mid 1983 uh ruth came to try and visit richard and take him back home to el paso Ruth found him downtown at a bus terminal. Richard took Ruth back to his hotel room and he sat down and started shooting up cocaine right in front of her. Mm-hmm. She like tried to beg him to stop and to come home with her, but Richard just looked like a completely different person and he declined her and basically said, I belong here where I am. I am protected by Satan. Satan represents how I feel. So obviously his sister just left and just went back to El Paso because, yeah, at this point, like, there's nothing you can do. You know, like, he's just straight up doing, like, drugs in front of her and talking about Satan. Like, I would have been like, okay, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so think about it. Like, he's 23 now, you know, during mid-1983, born in 60. So he's 23. He's been doing drugs for a long time. He's probably been robbing houses since he was like 10. Um, smoking pot since he was 10, which is, you know, whatever. But <clears throat> yeah, which is whatever. And strangely, it helped with his seizures, smoking Yeah, weed. it did. Which is funny. It's, oh, it's crazy. Wow, it helped yeah. with his seizures. And he stopped having them. Yeah. But he, yeah. Didn't, but he didn't stop having emotional outbreaks. Mm. No. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah but there's not a lot of like dedicated ser- like dedicated potheads that are also serial killers mm-hmm. i will say that there's got to be another side to them like yeah I yeah i mean so his, after his she animals. left yeah after she um after ruth left uh he was basically left alone and 
got addicted to cocaine and PCP, and he just basically committed his first rape, was uh, was burg burglarizing homes for money to fuel his drug addiction, and just looked basically like a demon at this point, you know? <laughs> like, Damn. I, I don't know how else would you describe that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he still had great hair. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. ugly, demon-like, but great hair. A demon with an angel's hair. <laughs> yeah. The crazy yeah, thing, so sad. Um, the amount of women that fell in love with him because of his hair. trial. <laughs> like, they thought he was hot and stuff, and, like, in most of the photos, he's not showing his teeth. Yeah. But in the ones that he is, he looks busted. But his yeah, ratings yeah, yeah. went up in Britain immediately. Uh, so like, it shifted across the pond. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm yeah. saying that as somebody with fucked up British teeth. But um, <laughs> my last name's Bentley. You Brits can figure that out. We're good. <laughs> I mean, like, what's insane is that his life was basically falling apart in... Um, he was basically in hell, but to well, him, he basically yeah. felt like he had just found the meaning to his life. He, in a way, he was happy and he felt like he belonged, you know? Yeah, like he was raised pretty much as a criminal and now he's making a living being a criminal. He has access to drugs, you know, like he's happy it's not it's not his hell it's his heaven it yeah. would be someone else's hell but to him it's perfect he's got the perfect setup and he just yeah. raped someone so now he's like on top of the world like he's like i can have power over people now i can have what i want when i want it and no one's gonna stop me a yeah. fucked up relativity like he could go to his cousin and be like dude check out my life and he'd be like yes bro like it's a good thing in his fucked up bubble that's formed right yeah i mean it, yeah it's crazy because uh all this is happening all these people are adding into it and no one knows that they're basically creating one of the most feared men in california in united states history mm -hmm. to like like it, it's insane because for the at least 13 people, he was about to become the embodiment of death, raping and torturing his victims. He's also about to come to the time where he shows us why they call him the Midnight Stalker. Thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on Richard Ramirez, the Midnight Stalker. Stay tuned for next week for part two of our three-part series. Please remember to like, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified right away as a new episode is aired. We release episodes every Saturday or Sunday. Please follow our Instagram page for all the new updates as well. We'll see you on the other side.